You know, everybody's having such a good time, I hate to break anything up. We're really glad to see all of you tonight and, and uh, our students and folks from the community here. It's, uh, it's just uh, Jason Day, I saw him tonight and his wife, Monica, pastor at Eastboro Church. It's great to have him here tonight. And, and uh, Richie, it's good to see you back, brother. And Audrey, good to see you back. Perlin, where is Perlin? There's Ferlin. It's good to see you back. Man, it's, it's like homecoming tonight. Thank you for being here. Let me just, how many of you have not been here uh, yet this week? Okay, let me explain then what this series is all about. It's called the Harry Dickerson Lecture on Pulpit Holiness Evangelism. That's a mouthful. What, that's, what that means is that Reverend Dickerson, who was an evangelist in the Church of the Nazarene for 50 years, had a heart for preaching holiness. And his family, his children, uh, endowed this series. And so every other year, uh, we take the um, uh, earnings from the endowment for this series, and we bring in uh, someone to preach on, on holiness. And this year, it's, it's our privilege to have my brother, David Graves, who is a general superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene. And what that means, if you're not a Nazarene, he's one of six who give leadership to the denomination globally. And he is also currently serving as the chairman of the Board of General Superintendents and um, serves with five other wonderful, wonderful people on that board. Um, David is a graduate of Olivet Nazarene University, Nazarene Theological Seminary, and his alma mater, Olivet Nazarene University, conferred on him the Doctorate of Divinity. Uh, he's a great preacher. If you've been here, you know, I, you know what I'm talking about. He's a great preacher of the Word, and um, he serves the Lord in so many different capacities. I, I believe he was nine years old when he was called to preach. And you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. He was doing pulpit supply for pastors who were away before he had his driver's license. <laughs> He'd have to find somebody to take him to the church <laughs> to preach. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, David, is, uh, his wife Sharon have four children, married children, ten grandchildren and one on the way. And so it's just been a joy for us to get together. This afternoon we, we watched, uh, we watched a, uh, a video of a Christmas we had together in 1987. And on that video, it was my camera, we just left it running. We didn't know we left it running. <laughs> so it ran for better than an hour just in one room. We laughed all afternoon because you could hear the conversations going on, little kids, but it's been a joy to be with David, have him here. Brian and our team have done a great job this week. They're going to lead us in worship tonight. Let's stand and, and sing together, and then following the music, Dr. Graves will come and bring the word for us tonight.
uh, for this opportunity that we have to worship together. I want to pray for the message and uh, just ask that you would help us to praise you in fellowship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, and you guys maybe see. Well, good evening. What a delight it is to be with you once again. Hope that you've had a good day today and uh, are prepared to hear something from the Lord tonight. Amen? Amen. You know, if we'll keep our ears open, it's amazing the things that he says to us. And tonight we want to turn our attention to 2 Timothy. The best way to find 2 Timothy is to go to 1 Timothy and then the next book. Or you can take the Pew Bible in front of you and turn to page 1,179. So either one of those, and I'd like for you to keep your Bibles open because we're going to be looking at these two verses and kind of walk through them together tonight. As a general superintendent, I, I, I think I mentioned to you, some of you might not have been here, my first two years I had jurisdiction in Africa and had the privilege of being in 21 different countries on the continent of Africa. My second two years uh, was in South America. And when we were in South America, we were in Peru, and uh, the field strategy coordinator and the regional director asked, would you mind going by and visiting Reverend Holka, who at that point was 102 years old. He was the first national district superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene for Peru. And I said, boy, it would be an honor to go by and see him. And so we went, we walked into the house. Now this, 102 years old, he was, he was almost blind. He, he couldn't hear very much at all. He had no teeth. And, and he spoke English pretty well because he went to Northwest Nazarene University for his studies. And as we, they introduced us, he was singing a song. Some of you would remember this song. It says, make me a blessing to someone today. And he was singing this, and then he went on and he told about how he prays for the general superintendents. I pray for you every day. And then he named us. And I thought, well, he must be doing it then if he knows who we are. And he says, I just want to be a blessing to someone. I thought about that. 102 years of age. Still desiring to be a blessing to someone else. I think there's something natural. The thought of being useful speaks to something deep within the heart of every person. I mean, we don't want to just spend our time on planet Earth, live our lives, boom, we'd go and, and never make a difference in anybody's life. Most of us want to make a difference in somebody's life, to be a blessing to someone. And that's a, the thought that John Wesley had when he prayed repeatedly, they say in his last years, he prayed this prayer, Lord, let me not live to be useless. It's a desire that we all have. Even in his later years, Lord, let me not live to be useless. So I think to serve God is a basic instinct in all of our hearts and lives. And the Apostle Paul picks up on that, and he gives us three simple truths from 2 Timothy. Do I have that up there? If not, let's read it together. You have your Bibles. If not, it's page 1,179 in the Pew Bible in front of you. He says, In a large house, 
There are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes and some for ignoble. Verse 21 says, If a man or woman cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. And we see here that Paul starts talking about this, and he talks about right here, about the different types of Christians. He, he says there are the usable and the unusable. And he talks about a large house, and then there are some things, articles made of gold and silver, and then some are wood of clay. And you might say, well, what is he talking about here? It's kind of a startling statement, isn't it? So what is he really talking about? Well, I think for us to understand what Paul is saying we need to understand what he's not saying. Let me give you an illustration. It might be easier to see it. In my house, we have uh, dishes that we use for everyday use. In fact, we have some dishes that we received for our wedding present 40 years ago that we're still using. It's called Corel. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Those babies, you can throw them down, they'll bounce up. They're indestructible. And we, we don't have the whole set yet, but we still have enough to use them. And so for our everyday use, we use a Corelware, and we use these fancy plastic cups that we got from the Royals baseball game or from a football game someplace. And we use those for our everyday. But then my wife also has some special stuff that she got for wedding present. It was called her China. And there's these really flimsy little glass cups, and I think you call them crystal or something like this. They have the long stems on it, and you have to be very careful. You feel like you don't break it when you pick it up. Those are for special occasions. Now, she doesn't mind me using the Corel throw it on the ground stuff every day. But if I were to go to where her china is in Crystal just for a regular lunch, she would go, What? Wait a minute. That's not what you're to use. Use our old stuff. So as a result, we use our old stuff a lot, but we don't use the china and Crystal very much. Now, I think that's probably common in most homes, wouldn't you think? that there are some that are for everyday use and then there are some for special occasion. So what Paul is not saying is that in a wealthy home there are gold and silver articles that are used for special occasion, used for the formal dining room, and then there are some other things made of wood or clay that you use in the kitchen and you use for everyday use. And if you follow that logic, you would say, well, that means what he is saying is that some of us are gold and silver articles. And some of us are just a bunch of clay and old wood. Well, you can choose which one you are. Wood, clay, hard as a rock, or are you a gold or silver? That's not what he is saying. Hear me? That's not what he is saying. What Paul is saying here is that even a cheap wood or clay pot can miraculously be transformed and changed to become an article of gold or silver. That God can take something that is ordinary, common, maybe even useless, 
and he can transform it through the power of his Holy Spirit and make it something of great value and useful to his kingdom. Isn't that an amazing thing? I think it's not surprising, though, that throughout the Bible, God compares different types of Christians. Remember, he said there are some that are mature and can eat on the solid food of the Word, and then there are some that are the babies, and we're still giving them milk. He, he compares those throughout the Scriptures. In fact, he, he says this in 1 Corinthians, thanks, chapter 3, verse 1. He says, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You are still worldly. And we find that in Hebrews where he talks about infants and mature, uh, the meat of the word and, and milk of the word. So we see that God does compare Christians and that not all Christians are the same. Some are clearly useful to the kingdom. And some may not be quite as useful. So what's the difference? What is the difference? Well, he talks about that. He talks about what makes some Christians less usable than other Christians. Look at verse 19. He, he talks to us that, that the great obstacle that we have is sin. That's what holds us back from being all that God wants us to be. In verse 19, look at verse 19. It's not on the screen. You'll have to look at your Bibles. He said, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are His. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord, watch this, must turn away from wickedness. Verse 22, Flee the evil desires of youth. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. That kind of sounds like what I was talking about last night for you who are here, that we are to separate ourselves. If we're going to be sanctified, we are to separate ourselves from evil and sin in the old life, and we are to surrender ourselves totally to Him as instruments of righteousness. And He is saying that it's sin in our lives that undermines our effectiveness it's sin that breaks our communion with God. It is sin that weakens our power and our ability to say no to temptation. It is sin that is a great enemy of our soul. It is what keeps us from being useful in God's kingdom. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we as Christians, we say, well, there are the little sins, the medium sins, and the real bad sins. But I want you to know whether it's a real bad sin or a medium sin or a little sin, it's all sin. And those are the things that hinder us from being effective in God's kingdom in our service to Him. But He tells us something else about that. He says that even though there's an obstacle of sin, we can overcome that. Look at verse 21. He says, if a man cleanses himself from the latter... He will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, prepared to do any good work. He says, if a man cleanses himself from the ladder, if a woman cleanses himself from the ladder. Now, I just happen to believe this. That if he is giving us his propositional statement, if we do this, then this will happen. 
that he would not tell us if we do that then this will happen if this would be impossible to happen does that make sense to you was that as clear as mud you understand what I'm saying? In other words, he's not saying, I will do this in your life if you will do this, but then what he's asking us to do is impossible. God wouldn't play games with us like that. He is saying, if a man cleanses himself, so what I think logically is, then that is saying that God is saying, it is possible for you and me to be cleansed from all sin. Woo! That's good news, isn't it? that that remaining sin that would keep us from being effective in ministry can be cleansed. It's amazing as Paul uses this throughout his writing, cleansing of sin is usually connected with the life of a Christian. Isn't that interesting? I don't have time tonight to read you all the passages. We read one last night, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 says, Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. There's others that talk about that. If we will purify for himself a people, this is marvelously good news for all of us is that we can have victory over temptation, we can have victory over the Satan, we can have victory over sin in our life, we can be cleansed. Now I'll tell you why that's so exciting to me. Because in our lives there are so many things that we can't change. It's great to know there are some things that can be changed. Let me, for instance, so many of our capacities are fixed. Our looks, someone said to me today, says, as you get older, you look more like your dad. Well, I'm going to look like dad or mom one, and so we're kind of a mix of them. So many of our capacities are fixed. Our looks are fixed. Our, our brains and our intelligence are fixed. We can try to get smarter and we can learn more, but man, if my IQ is 100, it's not going to magically change to 150. In fact, I'm just trying to keep what I have, you know? <laughs> That's slipping on me. Our intelligence, even our personalities are kind of fixed. Some of us are introverts. How many of you would say you're and I was going to say, how many of you would say you're an introvert, but the introvert probably would not want to raise their hand? So let me ask you this. How many of you are extroverts? Raise your hands. There you go. I'm more of an introvert. I enjoy, I get renewal by being by myself, by reading and studying, and I, I like that. But in my role, I found myself becoming more outgoing. More of my mom is taking over in that. But there are so many things that are fixed. Let me show you a visual so you remember this. Daniel and Daniel, come up here for a minute. Daniel and Daniel. I want to show you something. That you will become very obvious about something that is fixed. These are two, my two new friends. Here, here's Daniel. Come on over here, Daniel. And Daniel. Yeah, they're, they're, you can get in front of me and I'll disappear. Look at this. There, there are some things that are fixed. No matter how much I want to be your height or your height, it's too late. I'm shrinking. I'm shrinking. I'm not going to be that way. And I can't change that. I have to accept who I am. 
I never, never, may never have as much hair as he has now. Or I can't grow a wonderful beard like he has. Don't have enough hair on my face. It's not don't change, right? There are certain capacities that are fixed. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Give it up for Daniel and Daniel here. Those things aren't going to change. But here's the marvelous thing is that through the power of God's Holy Spirit, He is able to take, He is able to take who we are, our mental capacities, our personalities, our size, our talents. He is able, this is, He is able to take us as we are and so change us and transform us into what he wants us to be that we can be useful to him and his kingdom you see in the life of the spirit miracles are possible sinful people can be forgiven aren't you thankful we can see that sinful people, unclean people can be purified. Unholy people can be made holy. Unusable lives can be made usable. You see, service in the kingdom of God depends on this. If, if a man or woman cleanses himself. Hold, time out, wait a minute. I caught you here, pe preacher. Last night you said that God cleanses us. Now the scripture says, if we cleanse ourselves. So you're confusing me a little bit. What do you mean here? What I'm talking about is if we are willing, as I said last night, if we are willing to separate ourselves from evil, if we are willing to separate ourselves from the old life, if we're willing to turn our backs on sin and self-control and self-interest and selfishness, if we are willing to do that, then guess what God does? But he can't make that separation. We must be willing to separate ourselves. And then we cooperate with God's grace that he has provided for us. And then we become an instrument of noble purposes. See, it begins with our decision. But then it moves on to what God wants us to do. And look what he says here. We will then become an instrument for noble purposes. Stop right there for a moment. We want to be useful, don't we? We want to be usable in his kingdom. And we see that he can take us as we were, maybe just wood or clay, and he can transform us into something that he wants us to be. So how does that happen? Well, three things. We are first made holy. We are set apart for God's service. We as in the Old Testament, as they did with all the utensils in the temple, what were they dedicated for use in the temple? We now set, our, set apart ourselves to be useful to Him. We consecrate ourselves. We dedicate ourselves to Him. Remember what I said last night? I think this is on the screen. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah. Remember what I said last night? What I give, He takes. And what He takes... He cleanses, and what he cleanses, he fills, and what he fills, guess what he does? He uses. So
So if we come to that place where we are saying, Lord, I'm willing to give myself to you, consecrate myself to you, surrender myself to you, and I know that if I do that, that you'll take it and you'll purify it and cleanse it and transform me from what I was into what you want me to be so that I will be useful to the master. That's the second phrase. Instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master. The King James translates this phrase, fit for the master's use. I, don't, I'm, I haven't decided which one I like better. Uh, useful to the master, fit for the master's use. But I do know this, it's only when we are sanctified where we are fully serviceable or useful to God. As I was thinking about this, I, I thought about something that, that they, ha they do in Great Britain. Whenever there's a transition in, in the monarchy, the, the king, the queen, they have what they call in Great Britain an office for known as royal patents. So what happens when there's a new king or queen, we haven't had a new queen forever, but when there is that every product, every different company wants to get the official stamp of approval from the queen. And so they'll bring their ketchup in there and they'll bring their steak sauce in there and they'll bring all these different products and then they'll test it out and if the queen says, oh, I like Heinz better, then guess what? They put a stamp on there and it's of royal arms and it's fit for the queen's use by appointment made for her majesty. Isn't that a pretty cool thing? Well, I have something even better for you. When we cleanse ourselves, the Holy Spirit comes and he puts a stamp on us. And you know what it says? Useful for the master. Fit for the master's use. He'll come and say, wow, look at him. Boom, he's got my stamp of approval. He's fit for the master's use. He's fit for my service. And he puts that stamp of his approval on us so that we are useful for him and for his kingdom. That's great, isn't it? What I could not do for myself, he does for us so that he can use us when we were just nothing but wood or clay. He takes us and transforms us so that we become useful to the master. I hope I didn't mess up the camera here. I don't know if they can see it over here. But look, there's a third thing. Let me go back. My clicker's up here. Should have brought it with me. Look what he says. Prepared to do any good work. You know, there are gifts that God gives us. That he equips us for specific tasks. Do you believe that God created you with a plan in mind? That he has gifted you and equipped you to do a ministry that no one else could do. That's pretty amazing to me, isn't it? Because so many times I view myself and I see myself for what I am and I think of, well, man, that guy's he's a better speaker. He's got a deep bass voice and he's a very imposing figure and he's very intelligent and smart and he has da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Surely God couldn't use me. But God's gifted and equipped each one of us. He's been working on you since you were born. In fact, the psalmist says, even while you were in your mother's womb, he knew the plans he had for you. Wow. 
And now, watch this. He's not going to only shape you and form you, but he wants to prepare you to do the works that he has created you to do. There's a couple of scriptures. Just listen to these. Hebrews 13, 20. If you want to write them down, you can and look at them later. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 says, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. Now watch this, verse 21. Equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Even 2 Timothy chapter 3, where it talks about all scriptures, God breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the people of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's not about our natural abilities, our natural gifting. It's about God taking who we are and then equipping us to do the work that he is preparing us to do. That's you <laughs> and that's me. It's kind of funny that God would call me to preach. When I was a young boy, my brother didn't tell you, but no one could understand me except him. I, I don't know, I had a speech impediment or something. Uh, my mom couldn't understand me, my dad couldn't understand me, and he got me in a lot of trouble because he'd say, well, what what David say? And he'd say, he told you to be quiet. I didn't say that, didn't do that, wait a second. <laughs> no, he's the only one that could understand me. I was in speech class in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade in speech classes. <laughs> in the joke of all jokes, God called me to preach. I mean, I can't even pronounce these names in the Bible. I can't, so I skip over some of them. Or I did find this really neat program that pronounces it for you and I would re listen to it over and over and over and over and over again and try to write it out the way I was hearing it and then I'd get up to read and I'd mess it all up. <laughs> and God called me. But you know what? It's not so much about me or about you. But it's about our willingness to say, Lord, and I might be just a moldy old pot of clay, but I know that through the power of your Holy Spirit, even with my cracks, my scars, even with all that, that if I'm willing to say, Lord, here I am, I'm willing to give you everything, then he will take us. And he'll transform us <laughs> into the likeness of his son. And he will then gift us and equip us to become the people who are useful to the master. Woo! Prepared to do the good works that God wants us to do.
Aren't you thankful for that? If you've never given him everything, it's a good time to do it. If you've never experienced his touch upon you and that transforming of his grace, it's a good time to do it. Because God wants to do some incredible things in and through your life. If we'll just surrender everything to him. Amen. Let's stand together. Brian, if you could come. Um, let's just sing Spirit of the Living God again. As we sing that. Um, or we could do that righteousness song, Take My Life. Why don't we do that one? Or we could do Spirit of the Living God. We could do that one. Too. <laughs> you know, we don't have to do anything, do we? Just take my life, it's easier. That's easier? Okay, let's do that one then. And tonight, this is what I want us to do. Whether, whether you need to... Let's wait just a minute. That's a little loud. Oh, maybe it's not loud out here. It's just loud out here. I don't know how God may be speaking to you tonight. Or whether you need to come and pray about some issues. Maybe you just need to view yourself in a different light. That you've just let the devil beat you up too much, put you down too much. And it's time that you just kind of stand up and say, hey, wait a minute, devil. You know who you're talking to? I'm a child of God. You know who I'm talk you're talking to? I'm one who is totally surrendered to him. And yeah, I used to be old pot of clay and wood, but he's transforming me. And I'm his. Maybe you just need to talk to him about that. Maybe some of you just need to make that total surrender. Maybe some of you just need to have him talk to you and hug you a little bit. Wherever you are, he's here to meet us. And as we sing that, what I'd like for us all to do is to make this song our prayer. Our surrender to Him. Can we do that? So feel free to respond however God's leading you. Let's sing it together. Amen. If you'd like to come and pray with your friends, come on down and feel free to pray with them. Tonight as we pray, could you... Now this is strange, but it came in my mind, so I might as well say it, right? Could you visualize the arms of God surrounding you? And saying, you're mine. I love you. I'm proud of you. Could you visualize him taking a stamp and saying, boom, fit for my use. Could you once again say, Holy Spirit, I'm yours. I'm not totally there yet, but I'm heading there. So just keep working on me. Keep shaping me. Keep forming me. Keep transforming me. And allow the Spirit to speak and minister to your hearts as we pray. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the word that brings us hope 
and courage and strength and faith and possibilities. Lord, I'm so thankful that you are a God who is patient, a God who is loving, a God who is gracious, a God who is forgiving, a God who forgives and cleanses and purifies, and a God who doesn't leave us the way we were, but you are a God who is working and molding and making and shaping and transforming us every day more and more in the image of your son Jesus. So Lord, we're surrendered to you tonight. We are yours. We pray that you would just take us in your arms of love and grace. And that you would continue to work in our hearts and work in our lives. Work in our minds. Work in our will, Lord. Continue to cleanse us and purify us, dear Father. May we, Father, feel the stamp of your approval saying you're fit for the Master's use. And Lord, may we understand and believe with all of our hearts that you are created, you've created us and you are recreating us to be useful for your kingdom. And so, Lord, we thank you and we rejoice in this. And now, Lord, as we go from this place back to our classes or back to our homes, Lord, may we go in the knowledge that you are going with us and that you are continuing to work in our lives for your honor and your glory. And for all this, Father, we thank you and praise you. For we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow night. God bless you.